0: Sorry, I don't love you. Afresh, I've grown accustomed to. Because with you, something isn't wrong. Something isn't wrong. Something isn't right. I wish you could be. Hey, everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back. As is Tim Matthews. As promised, we are closing in on finishing up our discussion on the Mission Impossible movies. Today, we're talking all about Rogue Nation, and we will be following this episode up with one on Fallout since I finally saw that in theaters, just in time for it to probably be leaving in this next week or so. But (laughs) Tim, I know that you mentioned 4, 5, and 6 are more connected than the previous movies, which really sort of felt like standalone films aside from Tom Cruise's story. Because, you know, Luther comes in, he does a job, And he gets out. We don't really know too much about him outside of his work and his friendship with Ethan. So it was all about Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt and sort of his backstory for a lot of these movies. But I feel like with Four, Five, and Six, that changed a little bit more. You sort of got more of a bigger picture of everything. And, you know, with Rogue Nation, I do want to start by talking about the casting as usual, because we get. A couple new characters worth mentioning in this one and you have rebecca ferguson as ilsa faust which is Mm -hmm. a fantastic character name and you have sean harris as the villain solomon lane and you know he's sort of in the shadows for quite a bit of this you know we see him when he gases ethan and then
1: such a good reveal (laughs)
0: yeah and then we sort of just go through and we get to know both lane and ilsa a lot more throughout this movie and we learn that she's been working undercover and everything but what did you think of these two cast additions
1: i thought they were both uh really really great additions to the movie um and to the uh as we find to the series to start with ilsa um she's I mean, she's she's badass. <laughs> like, uh, and she she has, she has, uh, such a great backstory, um, to her character. Like, I, I I love how her story is is that she's she's undercover for MI six, and just having her, you know, play. I, I don't even want to say both sides because she kind of plays in more than two sides, and she just does such a great job in. Like her her performance does such a great job in having that little bit of unpredictability for when she's kind of more on the on Lane side, um, and then we start to learn kind of that she's she is working for MI six, but she's also kind of getting a little screwed over by MI six, and so there's a lot of depth to her character, which is nice. It's not just oh here's a, a female character that will become like a love interest for Tom Cruise. No, she's very much her, her own strong character, and then Lane is such a great addition i love he's a much more subtle villain than say philip seymour hoffman who it's it i mean as as i've said in previous episodes it was so tough for anyone to follow up a villain performance by philip seymour hoffman but uh and there wasn't much of a a villain at least in personality in the in ghost protocol but i feel like lane is a great addition um to the, you know, the, the rogues of, of the Mission Impossible series. And he's, a, he's much more subtle and it's, it's kind of unnerving that like his really soft voice and just laid back performance. it It is, it's definitely like pretty disturbing. Like even when he's just standing there in his introduction, um, and you know, kills that, <laughs> kills that poor, uh, uh, poor girl in the record store that was just kind of super stoked to meet Ethan Hunt in real life.
0: Yeah. And those two obviously aren't the only additions here. You have Simon McBurney as Attlee. And we come to learn that he created the syndicate. And you have, you know, Alec Baldwin's Alan Hunley, And he brings a unique perspective to these movies, I think, because he seems to want to be a little more involved than most people have been previously. You know, we saw a lot of the higher ups just at the office sort Mm -hmm. of thing prior to this. But he sort of he's not quite hands on, I would say he sort of falls somewhere in between. He's not just going to sit at his desk at his office, you know, and I think he was a nice addition as well. And Attlee obviously, is a sort of secondary Villain, So we get a lot of that in this movie. And I think overall, just having, you know, Jeremy Renner return as Brant, obviously, Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames have sort of been staples since they both first appeared in the series. So it's one of those things where they have this sort of consistency going on throughout the franchise which helps even if it's only Ethan and Luther and Luther isn't always in, you know, the meat of all of the movies, which is kind of nice that you don't necessarily need him to play that role in all of them up until this point.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's really nice in this one is kind of I I feel like this one's really the first time that uh I mean we we don't have um we don't have one or uh, we don't have one character from Ghost Protocol, but for the most part, um, we have the as far as our team in this movie. It's kind of the first time we've had almost our whole team carry over um, and continues, which has been nice because it's we got to know these characters. We got to know Brant a bit in uh, in Ghost Protocol, right. and he his the stuff he gets to do in in this movie. Uh, is a is a ton of fun and um and apparently in a thing i i read about or not read about i listened to with uh christopher mccrory he uh he said that pretty much everything that jeremy renner says that's uh that's funny in the movie was ad-libbed by jeremy renner and and that everything that christopher mccrory wrote he was just like this isn't funny what jeremy said was funnier so he got to stretch a few more of uh his, his muscles in this movie, his like verbal sparring with Alec Baldwin, him trying to rope in Luther, but Luther's a little untrustworthy because, you know, he only really met him that one time at the end of ghost protocol. Um, and so we're, we have this familiar team, but we're also seeing this team really form and come together, um, uh, in a full fashion. And I really enjoy that about this one.
0: Yeah, so I want to move on to the story now. And as we go, we learn things like the fact that Benji has been at the CIA for six months, because as we know from before, the IMF was technically disbanded and does not exist, which I guess in a sense, it never really did exist. And the syndicate is what they're going after. And they don't have all of The information at first. It's being pieced together as we go in this movie. And I really like how they sort of bring all of these characters together because, you know, at first Ethan is intrigued by Ilsa because she helps him get away. But it's one of those things where Ethan knows not to really trust anyone other than you know, the people he's worked with before. And even then, I feel like sometimes he's still leery of characters like Brant and things like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Benji and Luther have been around a little longer, Luther especially, you know, he's been there since the beginning. So it's one of those things where until he has all of the facts straight, Ethan is going to be careful, but then sometimes he's not, which (laughs) is a very Ethan-like thing to do, even though he is so distrustful of so many people
1: absolutely she you know she helps him get away, and so he's like all right clearly clearly there's something uh something different about her she's not fully in with these uh with these guys, but at the same time still don't know who she is don't know who she's working for um you know she could have just been helping me you know helping ethan for her own interests, um, and it just so happened that him escaping benefited her, you know, more more so than him being interrogated, so a lot of questions for him to still figure out, but yeah, it's, I mean, Ethan, he does have that, that just charm to him of, of, you know, wanting to believe in the good in people, so if he senses uh, good in someone, he's going to lean further into that, and sometimes it bites him in the butt, and then sometimes it doesn't, but you know, and then he, does impossible things and figures it out.
0: Yeah, exactly. He is willing to take a lot of risks when it comes to the mission and his own life, but he typically won't put other people in danger unless he knows he's going to be able to save them in the end pretty much. So he definitely has this sort of hero complex, but It never really gets in the way of the story, which I enjoy. You know, every time he does something crazy, it's very believable by especially the fifth movie here that this is something he would actually think is completely reasonable. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you don't you don't second guess, you know, when he, uh, you know, hops on a motorcycle and goes into a high speed chase or says, all right, I'm going to hold my breath for you know, four minutes under underwater. Um, This sounds insane, but this is what we got to do. So I'm going to do it. And doesn't, you know, isn't like, oh, maybe there's another way that we can do this. It's like, nope, that's it. Sounds crazy. We should do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the fact that Hunley had a shoot to kill order out on Ethan? You know, I understand why that would happen, but it's one of those things where, you know, Ethan is sort of the best asset that they have. And no matter how rogue he goes, he always comes through in the end. And you would think they would sort of know this by now. So it seemed like this was put in the movie a little more for some dramatic tension between Hunley and pretty much anyone who is helping Ethan out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely setting up the, you know, the antagonizing uh, plot point between the two of them. I think it is done uh, pretty well and in kind of, Huntley's explanation of it in, you know, we have no evidence that the syndicate exists. You know, it's, I feel like he, I feel like he's got two ideas in his head is that one that Ethan has created the syndicate himself to, um, to actually, um, you know, cover up his mistakes or carry out the, uh, these ridiculous things, which I feel like he doesn't fully believe that one. Um, and then the other side of it is I feel like he sees Ethan so passionately obsessed with going after the syndicate that it's like maybe he snapped and he's gone off his rocker. And here we have one of our, our best and most capable agents out there who's now become a danger to himself and everyone around him. And maybe the shoot to kill option uh, is the best he can think of. It definitely feels a little extreme. Like it feels like they could take him in, but maybe, Maybe he feels that trying to take him in, more people might get hurt because he's 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 Ethan Hunt and he'll get out of it. It definitely is um little uh, a little of a stretch, but that thankfully they they do uh, pull back on that a little bit as the movie progresses.
0: Just a little bit of a stretch yeah. there, but one of the other things I wanted to talk about is the syndicate specifically because obviously. Lane is the main guy that they end up going after. But I really Mm -hmm. liked the idea of the syndicate. You know, Ethan had found out about them already. And this movie is all about finding out more about what the syndicate actually is. And as things start to unravel, it really starts to make sense. You know, it's this group of people who have been either wronged by the governments that they worked for, or they just stopped believing in those governments for a wide variety of different reasons, since they come Mm -hmm. from so many different Mm -hmm. countries. And it's something that, you know, it's pretty understandable, because even here, you know, we have so many people who are unhappy with the government right now, you know, that isn't something that is ever surprising, you're always going to have people who disagree, especially with the government. And I think they did a nice job of Portraying that here and showing what people with these sorts of skills can do when they become disgruntled with their individual governments and everything like that. You know, these people have skills that everyday people don't have. So they're much more dangerous. And that is clearly the case, especially in the opera house scene.
1: Absolutely. It makes complete sense that, you know, here's here's these agents who, you know, almost became disenchanted with with the organizations that they were working with and and you know here they're being handed these missions and going out and you know a lot of times it's like oh you have to go take out this person or this person and we're the good guys they're the bad guys and then start to question it's like well how do I know that we're doing the right thing it doesn't seem you know it doesn't seem like what we're doing is changing anything for the better so how do we know that we're doing the right thing and then you know as as lane explains you know he i think someone someone calls him a terrorist at one point and he um and he and he says that you know terrorists are just fanatics uh looking for attention um uh and creating change through fear um and that you know he's oh i forget the line it's like a really good line uh, i could probably look it up but um but something about You know, he's actually um, creating change that uh, that at least in his insane eyes is to make things for the better, even though there's tons of disaster that's occurring in order to make it happen. Um, And I mean, you mentioned the the opera scene, which I don't think I've ever had an easier time picking my favorite scene in a movie. Like it is hands down the the opera scene. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into that more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah but uh the the opening scene when we're introduced to well not the opening scene the opening scene is the plane but when we're introduced to to Lane Ethan gets his mission and it's and it's all about the syndicate and then it reveals that the syndicate is the one who made this recording is a nice little uh taste of we're so like they have people literally everywhere and so even your little uh you know, mission thing has, has come out and, uh, they infiltrated that. And it's like, now we know who you are, Ethan Hunt. If you try to come after us, we'll kill you. Um, and it's, uh, it, I feel like it's a really, really great start, um, that here's this big organization and they kind of give us everything we need to know about how powerful they are right in that first scene.
0: Definitely. And obviously the story ends up, coming full circle in a sense you know n- not necessarily with that initial opening scene but the one you mentioned where they introduced lane you know by the end we're seeing the same thing happen to him that he did mm-hmm. to ethan and i really like how they tied that all together basically from beginning to end and yeah you know i think we might as well go ahead and go into the action scenes here because there were a lot so yeah. <laughs> you know and of varying types of action too you mentioned the opening scene with the plane which is completely insane in itself and it's just one of those things where they definitely know how to kick off a movie and rope you in with the action and everything like that and then we have fight scenes car chases the opera house scene where it was sort of a mix of being a spy and trying to save people. And so you have this great choreographed moment at the opera house where Ethan is fighting the dude who is quite literally almost twice his size. (laughs) And it's just one of those things where how they put those two characters together and just sort of move the camera around as they were going through the scene. It just looks so great and obviously technology has advanced a lot since that first movie came out and you know we mentioned how they did a lot more practical scenes in that one for you know the visual effects and everything but here you know rogue nation was what in 2015 so it was almost 20 years after that initial movie to kick off the franchise so that's Mm -hmm. a that's a big gap for technology so we see way more things than we would have seen in a 90s movie probably because they can just fit so much more in and make it look so much better
1: absolutely and and still at the forefront is the is the practical effects and they when they use cgi it's to enhance the practical effects which uh which continues to make this series stand out from from other large uh action series that are out there
0: plus you also have the fact that tom cruise is still willing to do a lot of stunts himself which i think helps because i'm sure you've seen movies or tv shows where you catch a glimpse of the character and suddenly it doesn't look like the actor or actress playing the role you're like oh well there was the stunt double you know it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where if it's not done perfectly You can catch those little things in movies and probably more so TV shows, I would say, just because they typically have smaller budgets to be working around those things. And, you know, with Tom Cruise going crazy, it's just one of those things where I think he is the reason that these movies sort of get that extra little push with the effects and everything, because you're not worried that there's going to be a stunt double i'm sure maybe he has a stand-in or something every once in a while but for the most part like we've mentioned before he's the one doing these crazy stunts
1: absolutely and the uh the thing i was listening to with the with the director he actually uh made mention of this because they did like uh they he, he answered like some internet questions and someone had asked they're like is is there any stunt that um that you that you, that he didn't let Tom Cruise do. Um, and, uh, and his response was, uh, I, it, it was a particular one, uh, in fallout that was just like him, like rolling, uh, down something. And he was like, it's a boring stunt. And he had just broken his leg. He's like, it wasn't worth the risk for him to do this boring stunt of, of him just rolling down. Um, so he, he's like hey i don't think you need to do this it's not that great of a visual stunt anyway and i don't want you to break your ankle again but that all the the massively like major you know major stunts and everything that seem you know way too insane for anyone to be able to do he's like that's all tom cruise and they they don't have a double in where they're digitally putting tom's face over it um, and his response to that was because in order to do that, you'd have to convince Tom Cruise to actually sit down and get his face scanned. And he won't let you <laughs> let you do that because he doesn't want he, he does he doesn't want, you know, someone to stand in and then just have his face digitally put over it. He's like, no, he's like, I I can do this and I'm going to I'm going to go out and succeed in the stunt. And it certainly helps when you're the, uh you know, the ultimate producer of the franchise. I guess you can say yes to yourself.
0: Right. And it's sort of just one of those things where we know how hands-on he is, not only with the stunts, but with everything in general. So I think, you know, while pushing for that sort of perfection might be odd to some people because it does seem like Tom Cruise has very, very high expectations, especially for these movies. Yeah, To have a cast and crew that will go along with that And, you know, I don't know anything about the behind the scenes stuff. I know you pay attention to the special features and everything (laughs) on the Blu-rays and whatnot. But I
1: I did not get to watch them for this one, though.
0: Okay, so you're you're probably as in the dark uh, with it (laughs) as I am, which is fine. You know, (laughs) I, I don't require watching bonus stuff for these episodes, but it's just one of those things where we can tell how hands on he is and how much he wants these movies to work. And, you know, for the most part, they have. I think the second movie is probably the universally most disliked one, I want to say. And I think that's sort of just because of how that story felt a little disjointed at times. And, you know, obviously we've already discussed that. But with this one, especially, because he found out about the syndicate and then went into this movie figuring out What exactly the syndicate was, it just made it a little more entertaining. And, you know, for the action scenes, I mentioned the car chase and everything. And it's just done so well. I don't even know what more to say about it because it was a fantastic (laughs) car chase scene. I was just like, wow, this is wonderful. And, you know, even including the motorcycles, sometimes those can get a little messy because it's Mm -hmm. like, well, okay, how are you really going to catch a motorcycle? in a car. But yeah. it's one of those things where you have to sort of just outsmart the people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's and and how it's like you you have that whole amazing car chase and then you think, "All right, well, car crashed. This is the end of the chase." And um you had a, a um you had the fantastic comic relief of Luther and Brant showing up, you know, midway through that car chase and realizing that it's Ethan but they don't have as fast a car and then they finally catch up and they're like, all right, we're going to get, get you guys out of the, uh, out of the car. And then in typical Ethan fashion, they just hear this motorcycle rev off and they have a a very gifable moment of just (laughs) popping up from the, from behind the car, um, uh, at the same time, uh, between Brant and Luther. And it's hilarious. Um, but then, so here you already had this, super high adrenaline car chase and now you have immediately after this super high adrenaline uh, motorcycle chase where you have him maneuvering so that you know the motorcycles you know, crash into a car and then like you know, flips off the side and explodes and what's incredible about that scene is it doesn't feel like it goes on too long the 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 timing and the editing of it just it feels it feels perfect like the from start to finish um the energy stays high they give you that little lull in the the middle but then it picks back up but you're not sitting there and being like wow this action scene is really still going and sometimes that can happen in an action movie and and especially you know in some Michael Bay movies but in, in in this one they really got the I mean Christopher McQuarrie he's he's a fantastic action uh director And I feel like with these movies, he's he's really getting the the credit he deserves on that, Um, because I feel like he was a bit more unknown uh, uh, prior to these, even though he had done some uh, some big movies.
0: Yeah. And despite all of the action scenes that we do get, we have these moments that sort of really slow down the movie, not in a bad way, but just, you know, it's like everything almost stops. And one of those moments is after we've gone through a lot of action and everything like that, and Ethan finds Benji with a bomb strapped to him. And it's like, in that moment, you know, they know when to take things from these big action scenes and then just sort of halt everything. It's like, in that moment, Ethan was like, okay, All right, let me work through this. And you can sort of see the wheels turning in his head as he's working his way through this. And obviously, that's not something that Lane can see. So we see him going through the motions with that. And it's just one of those really great moments where, you know, he knows when to put in these big action scenes and when to focus on some more important things.
1: Absolutely. The, the character work is just as impressive in this, in this film as, uh, as the action is. Um, I mean, even before, uh, right before Benji gets, gets taken, um, is one of my favorite little scenes in the movie when they show up at the train station and Ilsa is clearly, you know, on her way, just trying to get out of there. And then, um, uh, but she meets up with, with Ethan, you know, sees him ahead, looks to one side, and you've got, um, and you've got, you know, Luther, and she spots him, looks to another, you know, sees Benji, sees, uh, sees Brant. She's surrounded by them, but it's done in in such this fantastic, playful way, um, that with the camaraderie of that team, you can, it works so easily, but then the two of them sit down, and they have this this great and real discussion of, you know, here's all the different options on what we can do to try and take down Lane. And, but if we try to do this, your government's still not going to believe you and they're going to take you and your team and, and, you know, uh, you know, throw you in for treason. Um, but if we do this, this might work, but then, uh, but then this could go wrong with that. And then she offers this, uh, you know, this final option of just, why don't we walk away? We've done everything we can for for our governments and they've put us through the ringer. Um, maybe it's just our time. Other people, there will be more people just like us. And you have this pause of Ethan just, you know, contemplating it. But he knows, like, he, he's he already knows that he tried to walk away from the life before he can't, he can't, he can't stay away from it. Um, and watch things go wrong in the world and, and wonder if he could have helped. Um, and then of course in, in that moment before we even get something to resolve from it, Benji's taken. Um, and it feels like more action is going to pick up from there. Um, but, uh, but, but instead we, we continue to get more, uh, more great character work. Um, so it's, it's, the the pacing of this film i think is 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 pretty impressive in that way um it it continues in in how the the past couple have where the the action doesn't feel like oh here we go with another action sequence it they, it all it all flows together really well which i think accentuates the character moments
0: i totally agree and it helps when the movies don't feel nearly as long as they actually are every once in a while you'll get A movie that's over two hours, and it really feels like it's over two hours. But that isn't the case with this. Like you said, it flows so well, especially, you know, between action scenes and everything. And you already mentioned the opera house scene being one of your favorite moments in the movie. So why don't we go ahead and discuss that a little more in depth? Because I am totally in agreement with you on that as well (laughs) it's just such a well done scene and you know at first Benji is all excited that he's going to the opera but he's not really there to enjoy it so even though Benji is sorely disappointed we all get to enjoy the this opera house scene
1: absolutely yeah it's I mean from the start like even before we get to the opera we get this we get these great moments with Benji being enlisted by Ethan and um, you know, Benji's like freaking out and then he's like excited to be working with, with Ethan. But then at the same time, he's like, Oh, I'm a little bummed that I thought I just won tickets to the opera. But then it just from there leads into this scene that flows seamlessly uh, between uh, espionage, between action the The tension the cinematography and the editing of the scene is just unreal i mean it's i i love i love the way uh they play with the lighting because they're you know they're up like within the stage and so you can mess with the stage lighting and then you have benji trying to um trying to search out you know who's uh fine fine lane but then realizing that there's not just one assassin then there's another assassin and another assassin and you you had mentioned, you know, choreography earlier and it 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 has that fantastic choreography but it doesn't feel like choreography which is which is what works so well. You know, sometimes sometimes when you when you watch uh when you watch fight scenes um you know, it probably more so I've noticed on some uh television shows but even in some movies you can it can feel very rehearsed and that this is a choreographed thing that they're just going through the motions, but uh, the choreography in the fights, as well as the way just the, the, the camera moves from sequence to sequence within this uh, scene, it flows so naturally that it almost feels like it shouldn't work like that. It should feel super rehearsed, but it doesn't. It just, it, uh, I'm completely enamored enamored by that scene every single time I watch it. I may or may not have hit back a couple times when I was doing my rewatch.
0: <laughs> it's just one of those things where you have so many different moving pieces in this scene too. I feel like they were able to very easily, or at least they made it look easy, yeah. <laughs> put all of these moving I'm sure pieces. It was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, put all of these moving pieces in order and have us understand why each person was there you know obviously when we see ilsa we're like oh okay she's back and Mm -hmm. it's hard to know whether or not to be excited about that because we know what her skills are right we saw that earlier in the movie obviously and then you have these two guys who are sort of wild cards we have no idea right away what they're there for, but we know they aren't up to anything good. So it's just one of those things where the tension is very high throughout this entire scene too. And you have Benji doing his thing and you have Ethan trying to figure out what's going on. And then you have Ilsa who is sort of in a pretty good hiding spot, if you ask me. And (laughs) no one in the audience seems to see her or any of this going on, which is kind of amazing. I guess some people really focus on the stage and not everything around it. I don't know. Maybe I just look around a lot more (laughs) when I'm in a place like that. I've never been to the opera necessarily, but I've been to a musical or two. So you know, it's it's kind of similar, but everything was just so well put together with this scene.
1: It was. And it you you don't feel like with everything, all the moving parts and uh that are going on, it's remarkable that you that you don't feel like disoriented. The way that they pull it off, you know exactly where all the different things are happening. So even though they're they're jumping quickly through them all, it never feels like, okay, wait, where am I at this time? You know, and if I'm here then where's where's Benji? Where's Ethan? Where's Ilsa? Um, it's, it's all, uh, it's all calculated so well that, um, that you're just engrossed in everything and, um, and follow it so, uh, so easily. And it's, uh, even though there's such high tension, it's also super entertaining. Like Ethan being completely outmatched by the, uh, by this guy. And then, you know, Benji getting thrusted into the action, uh, by this, by this assassin who outmatches him but you know benji in his you know own little way you know making it through such a fun scene even though even though uh a lot of tension
0: right i think that pretty much covers it for this scene though you know i'm sure we could (laughs) if we went step by step we could go in depth on it a lot more but you know for everyone what they want (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't know if they want that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, for everyone else's sake, you know, we're, we're just gonna leave it at that. But do you have any <laughs> final thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, really, just that uh, the I feel like the supporting cast really gets to stretch their acting muscles uh, a bit more uh, in this one, especially Benji. He gets some really great uh, dramatic scenes. Um, you know, he gets his funny stuff of you know when he's play- you know secretly playing video games at uh, at work. Um, but then I really, really enjoy when he and Ethan are first going over the plan after the opera, um, and Ethan's trying to tell him to go home, and Benji stands up for himself, and um, I feel like that's a really great dramatic scene for him, obviously, when he's, you know, sitting on a chair with a bomb strapped to him. Really, really terrific scene uh, from everyone uh, involved, and the uh, one scene that uh, we didn't cover that uh, that I really, really enjoyed is uh, the taking of the prime minister. And, you know, Huntley gets, you know, they, he, he gets roped into being a part of the team uh, just by proxy. That it's like, now, uh, now you're involved because uh, all this stuff is happening. But, you know, here's how, here's how you're going to benefit from it. And that, that whole scene is handled so playfully. And there's a lot of exposition that's happening in that scene. But because of because of how entertaining it is and how quick everything's moving, it doesn't feel like I'm just getting like an information drop. Um, and I think that's something that this series really excels well with. They do a really nice job in giving you a ton of exposition, but in an, in entertaining ways um, and satisfying ways. And so I, re- I really enjoyed that scene, which, of course, uh, led to a great chase through through London. Um, but those are the main Uh, main parts that feel like we didn't cover yet.
0: There's just so much to unpack in this movie. I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, obviously any movie that's over two hours probably has a lot going on in it if it's done properly. And I certainly think that this one is. And, you know, one of the things that I really took notice of throughout this is sort of the budding relationship between Ilsa and Ethan. It's not Mm-hmm. Necessarily explicit, but they do a lot of these subtle things from the beginning of the movie all the way until the end. And you can sort of tell that obviously Ethan is never really going to get over Julia. And we see that obviously more in the next movie, which we are going to be discussing right. shortly here. But Ilsa is someone he can relate to in a way that he couldn't with her. So it's sort of this different kind of relationship for him. And I think it's really one he needs. You know, it's great to have Luther and Benji and maybe Brant, kind of, sort of, but it's not quite the same.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a respect and admiration uh, between the two of them that I think launches the, you know, a bit more of that romantic spark that they very smartly keep very subtle uh, in this film. And just let the audiences, you know, feel it and figure it out for themselves. And it's like we we can all see where this is going, we can all see where this is developing. Um, but it just feels in this in this natural way where neither of them are outright saying saying it. Uh and it's they just they they feel they feel a, a connection uh to each other. In this insane world of espionage, that um, that they're they're both you know really forever linked to, um, and that de- that that relationship is definitely uh, done really well. Um, and as we s- see, you know, her as a returning character in the in the next one. Um, really, everyone that we have in this movie, except for Brant, um, are returning characters. So it's 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 more. It's more of we, we've gotten to spend time with these characters a lot more in Ghost Protocol and then in Rogue Nation. And it's it's been a lot of fun to then spend even more time with them uh, in Fallout. And as we said, you know, earlier on that, you know you know, 4, 5, and 6 are a lot more connected than some of the other ones. They still do a really nice job in feeling like complete and individual movies on their own. That it's like, yeah if you you know watch them all you're certainly getting more out of it than maybe someone who who's just jumping in randomly and hasn't seen any of the others but i feel like if someone were to, were to do that they would still have a satisfying and complete experience from being like all right well the story in this movie started here and it finished here and i had a great time and you know feel like i got everything i needed out of it and so i think that's something that's very very impressive in these movies they don't feel incomplete like, all right, well, they gave me a lot, but uh, they didn't give me everything. So I'm hoping they cover it more later. Um, So I feel I feel like they do a really nice job in giving you that complete experience.
0: And then they give you just enough to get you interested in the next movie, too, which I really like, because at the end of Ghost Protocol, you have the syndicate pop up and we're like okay wait we want to know what the syndicate is can we have this next yeah. movie now and you know obviously for me that worked out better because i could watch them in a yeah. much quicker succession than one could if you were watching these in you know real time so l- lucky for me i got into these later
1: yeah i saw it in theaters i had to wait <laughs> Yeah, I got super excited about them mentioning the syndicate and, you know, walked out of the theater with my friends and I was like, oh, my God, they mentioned the syndicate. And first they're like, what the hell's the syndicate? And I'm like, well, you see. <laughs> I'm like, Shut up, Tim. And I'm like, but it's going to be super cool when they do it in the next movie. And then I had to wait, you know, two, three years, but it was worth it.
0: A much shorter wait than some of the other gaps. <laughs> there is that at least.
1: They've been doing a really nice job. Uh, give it uh giving us these movies a lot more often and i'm and especially after fallout i really really hope in a couple of years we get the next one uh because i'm not i'm i'm definitely itching for more but we'll get to that <laughs>
0: yeah definitely well thank you for coming on to talk about this one tim obviously we'll have you on for fallout literally right now for anyone listening we're <laughs> recording these back to back we're in a mission impossible mood today so we're getting I them done I, for you
1: i suppose i could fit it into my schedule <laughs> yeah. i think i have shuffleboard
0: are, are you sure are you sure that's today
1: <laughs> no no i think it's tomorrow yeah we could do fallout today
0: yeah <laughs> awesome and to our listeners of course thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day